Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. What does Alan Turing and Bayes' algorithm have to do with Cybersecurity Simplified? We are going to find out on this new episode coming up next with cybersecurity practitioner Rick Howard. Hello, friends. It's been a minute. I'm Susanna Song. And I'm Dave Barton. And it's been more than a minute. (laughs) It's been way too long, (laughs) quite frankly. Absolutely. Well, we are on episode 35 and drum roll. By the way, we have hit 100,000 downloads officially about a month ago. Right. Hey, congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, we've been doing this less than a year, so it's a pretty good sign. I keep telling Susanna, I don't have that many families, so it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) If I had that many family, we'd have a bigger problem. Right. (laughs) Well, everyone, if you thought David was a big deal, which we know he sort of is, Rick might be even bigger, okay? And I I typically do not read long bios. David knows this. I like to keep it nice and short. But for Rick, I want to because we have I, to. Yes. Oh, yes. oh please, um, you're not going to read all that, are you? Oh, okay, fine, whatever. Because okay. <laughs> it's truly, I'm impressed, and I think our our uh, fans out there, our followers, will also be quite impressed by your your resume here. So, Rick is a chief analyst, security officer, chief security officer, and senior fellow at. The Cyberwire. You can see his background there. Uh, Cyberwire is a cybersecurity podcasting network. His prior jobs include CISO for Palo Alto Networks, GM for iDefense, which is a commercial cyber threat intelligence service at Verisign, also global SOC director for Counterpain, one of the original MSSPs, and commander for the U.S. Army's computer emergency response team, where he coordinated network defense, network intelligence, and network attack operations for the Army's global network. He was one of the founding organizers who helped create the Cyber Threat Alliance, and he also created and still participates in the Cybersecurity Cannon Project, uh, which we will get to before the uh, conclusion of this episode. Uh, And a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I should say that project is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for cybersecurity books. Uh, so Rick is an author, an educator, and most importantly, he is David Barton's friend. He's my friend. Right. Thank you, Rick, <laughs> for being here. Yeah, you I bet, told, my friend. <laughs> I told Susanna we we had to read your bio because um, you know there's there's a few people in the industry I I eh, look up to is a strong word, but uh, <laughs> you have had an amazing career. I mean, you are taller than me, so technically, I look up to you. That's very um, true. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody that I can sit down with and bounce ideas off of and, and think years ahead versus talk about what we did in our past. And and you're you're well, we met guy. we met at then we meet at an RSA conference. Is that the first time we got together? I, uh, I'm trying to remember back when. You were working for Palo. I think I was working for, for WebSense or Force Point or something. And yeah. Yeah. and we just we ran into each other and became friends. Yeah, we absolutely did. Well, I did tease um, the episode by saying, you know, what does Alan Turing and Bayes' algorithm have to do with today's episode? So take us there. What What is this idea? Well, uh, I, first of all, I am a giant 
fan of Alan Turing. I don't know if you guys know his history and all, but he is my computer science superhero, right? He accomplished, so, he accomplished so many things in a very short life, his very short tragic life, right? That all of us are put to shame from what he did. You know, he invented the computer on paper, uh, before we even knew how to build them. He proved mathematically that it was possible to put a set of symbols into a machine and have it perform some task, give it a second set of symbols, and it would do a completely different task. And that's called a Turing machine. Every computer that everybody runs is a Turing machine, and he invented it back in the 30s, if you can believe mm -hmm. that. Right. Uh, and but there's all, I'm not going to spend time. I would just, I would go on and on and on about how I love Turing. <laughs> The reason he comes up in this context is uh, uh, we've been struggling in the industry. You know this, uh, that um, how do you forecast risk for our organizations? All right. That's the that's a big problem for us. And a lot of us don't understand risk. And what we defaulted to were these qualitative heat maps you know, where we have high, medium, and low scores for a list of 500 things that could possibly go wrong. And there are reams of science that shows that those things are just bad science. You know, those qualitative heat maps do not convey risk to the business at all, mostly because we can't agree on what high, medium, and low means, right? So, but that is what we all default to because we don't really know how to do it any different. And I don't know what your experience with that is David, uh, what's your thought about forecasting risk for organizations? I think it, it's to your point, it's it's more of an art than a science. And and because it's an art, there's ambiguity. And yeah. to your point, how do we how do how do we quantify and qualify? And then how do we compare good, bad quarter over quarter, month over month, week yeah. over week? How do you quantify that? And you know, it's interesting, Susanna, one of the challenges that we face at the CISO level in, in this industry is, is how do we quantify? How do we provide metrics? And, and I think, I think, Rick, that's where you're going is, is exactly is how right. Do, how do we do it? Yeah. Better? Well, and, we, and I think all of us, because I think most of us are gearheads, right? Uh, and in, in the industry, we think we have to have high precision uh, about everything. We have to know exactly all the variables. We have to count all the things and figure out how to put all that together. And what I've come to the conclusion is that's not true for most of the decisions that people like you and me have to make. We don't need precise answers. We need ballpark answers good enough to make resource decisions, right, on, you know, what we're going to do in terms of people, process, and technology. And I've been kind of struggling with this idea for a long time. And um, one of my favorite books uh, that's a cybersecurity canning candidate is called Super Forecasting. Have you, have you heard of this before? I think you and I have, I have not about it before. Uh -uh. So, Susan, have you uh, heard of this book before? I have not. No. So this guy, uh, Dr. Tetlock, wrote it, and um, he is an IARPA uh, researcher. And he's one of those guys that kind of raises his hand, and, uh, you know, in a ball in a bald fist as he's watching CNN as they pull all, all these pundits on to give their opinions about what's right. going to happen in the future. Right. You know, and he, he knows that they bring this guy in or this woman in who was right once in their career, right? But they've been wrong ever since. But they continue to roll them out, 
I've always thought that there should be like a Chiron at the bottom of the screen that says this person is three for a hundred. Maybe exactly. you shouldn't listen to them anymore. Right? We, we do so, it for major league baseball. Right? I know. Why, Surely why we can do, do this. For right? Exactly. Right. So Sounds Dr. Like, Ted, yeah, go ahead. Susan. As I say, it sounds like a weather forecast or a meteorologist. <laughs> That's exactly it's true. right. It's true. So Dr. Tedlock does this uh, uh, experiment, three control groups, mm -hmm. the intelligence community, the academic community, and a group um, I call the old geezers. And they're not really old geezers. They're just people that had time to solve puzzles. And he gave them 500 really hard forecasting problems. Like, will President Putin get assassinated in the next three years? You know, forecast the probability of that, right? And he graded them over five years. And the group that wins this by a landslide is the old geezers, you know, by like 60%, mm. right? And, and then there's a, small, there's a small subset of that group who outperformed the old geezers by another 60%, wow. right? And so his conclusion is that it is possible to forecast complex things without, without very much data. So I've been kind of wrestling with this idea for a long time, mm. right? And... Uh, I was reading uh, a book about Bayes' theorem. You guys familiar with Bayes? Do you, do you know this? Have you heard this before? It's so you, Susan. You said you didn't had, hadn't heard of it before. I have uh, no. Start right. So uh, Thomas Bayes uh, uh, made this algorithm back in the 1600s and wrote a paper about it, and then never published it. He threw it in a drawer, uh, and his best friend, after he died, found it and submitted it to the Royal Society. Like 20 years later. And they eventually published it. Hmm. But it kind of changes the idea of how do you forecast probability. And the algorithm is basically this. You come up with an initial estimate. It could be just the three of us in a room and says, what is the probability of material impact to your organization right now? And the three of us get together and we argue and we debate. We say, well, it's 30%. Okay, So that, in Bayes' theorem, is called a prior. It's the first estimate. Right. And then what we do is we take, we gather more evidence. Okay. We collect more evidence and there's two kinds There's outside in evidence, which is kind of like, you know, looking at statistics from the FBI or from the certs around the world and say, you know, there's a 20% chance that fortune 500s would get, you know, impacted next year. So you incorporate that and come up with a new estimate uh, up or down from the initial prior. And the idea is you do that over and over and over again until you get close enough that you can make resources decisions with. Hmm. And then you go inside out. Okay. You look at those outside in stuff and that's all outside statistics. Mm -hmm. Right. And then from the inside out, you look at how well you are doing in your own cyber defense infrastructure. How good are you at zero trust? How good are you at uh, intrusion kill chain prevention, how sure. good are you at resilience, right? All those things. And you factor that in and you move up and down your, your, uh, an estimate, right? And that's Bayes' theorem. And yeah. it turns out that scientists have used that theorem to solve all kinds of crazy hard problems over the last 150 years. Um, one of them is they used it to find uh, the, the Russian submarine, Okay, that was the basis for the movie Red. Uh, that's right. Uh, Red Storm. Red Dawn. Run, whatever. Red Dawn, Whatever that was. Uh, Crimson Tide. That's what it Crimson. was. Crimson Tide. Okay, it's based on a true story, but scientists use Bayes' algorithm to figure out where that thing was so they could salvage it. Right. Uh, the folks at Los Alamos used it to build the atomic bomb. All right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so there's and there's all kinds of these examples out there. 
And what I just learned is that my hero, okay, Alan Turing, used it at Bletchley Park to break the German Enigma codes. Mm. He yeah. came, he used Bayes' algorithm to make guesses about which letters are going to be correct and which weren't. So my yeah. feeling is if, if Alan Turing can do it to solve that problem, surely people like us, us no math CISOs, can use <laughs> it to figure out how to do forecasting for our own organization. So that's what I like about it. Mm. Does that make any sense to anybody? It does. Have you run across any tools out there that do that? Well, I just figured it out. <laughs> All right. Well, so there's so no tools. I'm uh, just checking. I have, I have, I've written three papers on it. All right. That uh, we published at the Cyberwire. And, uh, okay. and I'll send them over to you guys if you want to make them available to your audience. Right. But um, yeah. So it's essential. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of Fermi estimates? Yes. You heard of this guy? Uh-huh. Enrico Fermi is a famous math scientist. He was at Los Alamos, but uh, he's even more famous to his students when he was teaching after the war about these crazy problems he would give his students. Like, tell me how many inches of pizza are consumed at the university every month. And he wouldn't allow them to look anything up. They had to do back of the envelope calculations and do gross estimates. And what he was famous for is he could do these things and come so close to the actual answer when they ran the actual experiment that they were good enough, all right, to make decisions on, all right? Mm. So this, what I'm advocating for is forecasting risk using Tetlock's super forecasting techniques and Bayes' algorithm and these Fermi estimate uh, uh, ideas, right? And, uh, and, and it's not worry about precision, worry about good enough answers. <laughs> I like yeah, it. I like it. Now let's bring it, Rick, let's bring it back to kind of the everyday business out there as, as they're looking at risk for their, for their mm -hmm. own organization or an MSP looking at their client's risk. Um, how important is it to, I mean, getting precise is one thing or getting just a general idea of your risk. Why is it even important to start forecasting that? Take us back kind well, of to the basics. Yeah, that's a great question because one of the things we failed to do as an industry, I think, uh, and Dave, you can back me up on this, right? Is we never gave the business leaders a chance to evaluate whether or not the risk was within their tolerance. And right. I've done this in my past. I've gotten away with this. I would go into a board meeting and with my with my heat map of high, low, and medium. Uh, risk out there. And, and because I knew how to color code a spreadsheet, they would be red, yellow, and green. Right. And the red would be the really ugly, horrible stuff. And I would circle the red stuff and say, this is really scary. Uh, give me a gazillion dollars to fix it. You know, and sometimes that would work, uh, but most times it didn't. And, right. and, and uh, because it never gave the business leaders a chance to say, I don't know if I, uh, I tolerate that risk because- right was some of the things that we've done in our career is we made cyber so special mm -hmm. that we tried to tell the business leaders that it was a different kind of risk than right. other business risk. And that's, that's right. just not true. It's just it's not. not just another risk, right? It it's is probably special. not even the, yeah, go ahead. It is special. Let's be clear, but it's, <laughs> it's not any, the risk is not different, right? It's, no. And then right. we, you know, for a while there and Rick, I, you may have seen this too. We aired on the other side, which is, Let's assign risk to people 
right? Or two mm-hmm. positions and expect them to accept it. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we would go through risk management and say, here's the problem. And, and people would stand and say, oh, I'll accept that risk. And I'm like, you can't because it impacts the whole company and you can only accept this much. And there's got to be a balance between, to your point, understanding the business tolerance for risk, as well as um, being able to hold accountable and quantify, which is where we started this conversation, what risk actually is. Yeah. I, I, so it's, I want to be able to go to the board and say, there's a 20% chance that you're going to get hit with a ransomware next year, which by the way, it's absolutely possible to give that recommend that uh, forecast. And then, ask, and then give them, a, then ask them, is that okay? Right. Are you okay with that tolerance? And in some organizations it is because right. they have a thousand other business risks that are much scarier than that. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to eat that risk because I got, I got to handle these other things, but in other organizations, they're going to say, Oh my God, I got to get that down to 10%. What do you, right. what do you do for me then? And then people like us, we can say, well, here's some people process and technology that we can do to bring that risk down. Right. Right. And so or mitigate to answer your question, a long way around the horn. That's right. Yeah. So that's the, that's why this is important to be able to figure that out. Yeah. I'm curious about, um, as you look at, I mean, you work for Cyberwire you've worked at, you know, Palo Alto, you, you have a tremendous, um, you know, career in cybersecurity, where are we headed? As you look at 2023, what's Rick's forecast? Um, I'm not not talking about Mm. risk for your companies or your organizations, but just in the cybersecurity industry, where are we at? And and maybe maybe frame it a little bit more, Susanna, for our listeners, what should they be thinking about for 2023? Yes. Well, I would... um, that's a great question, right? So for normal people, okay, not cybersecurity nerds like us, right? <laughs> but for normal people, the greatest threat to them, to most everybody is some sort of ransomware attack mm-hmm. that will affect your place of business. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the most predominant thing out there because it's hugely lucrative. And I don't know if you guys remember the history of this. When ransomware first started 10 years ago, the criminals targeted the grandmas of the world, right? They would it was, come in. It was and, even before that, Rick. Yeah. It was back in AOL days. AOL days, that's right. I have, right. A, I have an interesting deck that I put together about where ransomware started, and it literally started in 1993. Most people don't right? hear about it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I could share it with you if you're ever interested. But you're right. It, it, it has evolved <laughs> to a $20 billion industry. Exactly right. Because when they were going after grandma, they would they would compromise their machine, her Windows 98 machine, let's say, right. Right? Uh, encrypt her hard drive. And then the amazing thing was someone from a Russian business center would call grandma on the phone and say, hey, we've got we've encrypted your pictures of your cats and your grandkids. <laughs> and if you want them back, pay us five hundred dollars in Bitcoin. Right. And then they would walk grandma through, how do you transfer money oh, from course. her bank into a, I can't even do that. I'm not Phenomenal even sure. Phenomenal customer big, service, right? Huge customer <laughs> service, right? For just for $500, right? That's how much it costs back then. But right. now today, fast forward, 
you know, it's $10 million, $20 million just to pay the ransom. So it's hugely lucrative. There's yeah. no specific industry they're going for. It's anybody yep. that gets caught, right? Mm-hmm. And so that would be the biggest uh, threat to m- most everybody in the cybersecurity space. All right. Uh- As we wrap things up, Rick, um, first of all, thank you so much for introducing us to uh, Turing and Bayes. But also, um, I would like to know a little bit more about your um, cybersecurity uh, canon. So um, I'm going to share this on my screen for those of you who um, are watching on YouTube. But take us through this cybersecurity canon. Um, These... Yeah, if you click the find the book reviews part of it, uh, that would be the more entertaining thing to look at. Uh, Not sure where that is, but I'll let you find it. Uh, This started about seven years ago. And, uh, and there you go, that button there. Yeah. So we were trying to, we were trying to find the books that every cybersecurity professional should have read by now. Mm -hmm. So it's canon with one in as canon of literature not canon with two ends where you blow stuff up, okay? And so what we've done is, like you said at the beginning of the show, it's a rock and roll hall of fame for cybersecurity books. We have a committee of security practitioners, it's about 15 of us right now, that read all the books, write book reviews for them, and try to place them into one of three buckets. Hall of Fame material, books that everybody should have to read, niche books, books that are not Hall of Fame, meaning that not everybody has to read them. But if you're interested in the topic, it's a good book. And the third category, and really the service we give back to the world is do not read, all right? Because there's lots of crap cybersecurity books out there. And if you decide you're going to read one, why would you read a bad one? So we do the work so you don't have to. So go to the, this is, the project is sponsored by Ohio State University. Mm-hmm. It's totally a uh, nonprofit. It's volunteer. Okay. And so go through the list of books, see the ones that you like, read the book review. Right. And if you think you like to read it, then you can go ahead and read it. So we can do that work for you. Cool. Awesome. And we'll make sure to add that to, um, uh, to our narrative, uh, wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple, Google. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on here, Rick. Uh, this is, an awesome episode. Um, I appreciate all of that you uh, contributed to this uh, particular one. And now I know that David has some cool friends. Just one. <laughs> well, we, yeah. Just one. Well, we, uh, just one. I have one also. It's David. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I appreciate it. Yep. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Uh, here's to another 100,000 downloads. If you have any feedback about today's podcast or questions for David or myself, you know where to reach us, of course, podcast at highwirenetworks.com or LinkedIn. Also, don't forget to like this episode, comment and share it with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to join us for our next episode, the one must have in your 2023 security staff. You got to have a plan for next year. Until next time, I'm Susanna Song. I'm Dave Barton. And this is Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate the episodes you enjoyed, share, and leave us a comment. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. Remember, the more you know about cybersecurity, the safer you'll be. To learn more, 
visit us at highwirednetworks.com slash podcasts.